0: kind of funny that you asked me to be on the show that's like about creatives i kind of suck at being creative <laughs>
1: <laughs> welcome to louder than words the podcast inspiring creatives of all types by allowing you a glimpse into the creative process of the most remarkable people you know i'm john Benini, and i'm your host And hello there, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of Louder Than Words. It's really great to have you here. I'm very excited. Man, it feels like such a long time, though, to have this idea of rounding together creatives, whether they be writers, artists, designers, and have them share their creative process with us so they can inspire others. And I'm really excited about the content that I have for you guys Um, But because this is my first episode that I'm recording, my listenership probably is my mom and whatever patrons are within earshot of her at Coles. So, hey, mom. Thanks for listening. And uh, besides my mom, though, I'm also joined by the prolifically talented Pamela Vaughn, who manages optimization and growth uh, of the HubSpot blog. She's been with the company since around 2008 And she's really played a pivotal role in growing the blog and the overall brand to what it is today. And in case you're wondering what that means, they're rated the number one marketing automation software in just about every survey imaginable. Uh, They're post-IPO. They're about over 700 employees. And she was there when they were only around 50. And the company has a valuation flirting with around $1 billion. Um, So they've come a long way since she was there in 2008. Pam, welcome. And thanks so much for coming on with me today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm blushing over here. You can't see my face, but um, I'm, I'm honored to be your first guest. So really awesome. exciting.
1: Awesome. It's, it's good to have you as the first guest. No, nobody better to kick off with. Um, so first off, I have to say congratulations on two million monthly visitors because that's that's huge. So congratulations on that.
0: Thanks. Thanks a ton. We Yeah, I mean, it was a great, awesome milestone. We definitely celebrated it over here um, and it was a lot of hard work in the making.
1: You realize, though, that that's a lot of eyeballs to call out all your typos and stuff, right?
0: Oh, believe me. <laughs> we, we hear it all in the comments. <laughs> don't, don't, don't you are.
1: Oh, worry. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, I will say this, though. I don't think there's anybody more qualified to speak on the... I mean, I'll say this because you probably won't because I know you that well. Um, I don't think there's anybody more qualified to speak on the HubSpot Blog's ascension to two million you know, views than you. Um, you know, you've been there since the beginning. So I'm super pumped to have you on. And obviously there's a, a, a ton of talented people that work on the HubSpot content team. Um, but you've been there for so long. So save guys like Mike Volpe and Kit Bodner. I don't <laughs> think anyone's had their hands in the HubSpot blog for longer than you have. So once again, just reiterating that I'm super pumped to have you here talking about growth and talking about content.
0: Thanks, John. I'm really excited to to talk to you as well.
1: Okay. So, first off, so, like, can you describe um, in detail sort of the path that brought you to what you're doing right now?
0: Cool. Yeah. Um, It's kind of a funny story. So, I actually, um, so like you said, I, I started at HubSpot in 2008. I also graduated from college in 2008. So um, I graduated in May with um, like a communications degree from Boston University um, with a concentration in public relations. So, you know, when I was kind of job searching and networking, um, you know, I, I, you know, got my feet wet with Twitter and was doing some some networking on Twitter and Kind of came across Mike Volpe actually, um, and Mike Volpe, if you don't know, is the CMO of HubSpot. Um, and you know, we kind of had been to Tweetups. I don't know if anyone even remembers that Tweetups <laughs> were a thing, but you know, they were essentially meetups that you organized on, you know, with the people that you knew on Twitter. Um, so I actually got to meet some pretty cool um, people in marketing in those days. There weren't a ton of people on Twitter, so it was really easy to kind of connect with people that. You know, we're already kind of influential in the space. So in any event, I, you know, in my PR education was kind of told by all my professors that, um, you know, your first job out of college should, should be at an agency. That's a great Way to start your career because you kind of get your, you know, you get to work with a lot of different types of clients. You kind of ha- you get this well-rounded experience um, with a bunch of different types of of, of clients. Um, even though I kind of would always thought that I would be more of a like an in-house PR person, um, I kind of took that advice to heart. I was like, that makes sense. Like, I'll you know start my job search looking. For- for for agency jobs um i fell into this great agency job in boston i actually started right um Oh, and actually, um, during that during my kind of job search, I had I got a Facebook message from from Mike Volpe, um, and essentially he was he was like, "Hey, have you checked out HubSpot? Um, we're looking for people to grow our marketing team. Um, you should come check us out." And I basically said, "No, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Volpe. Um, you know, I need to go work at an agency." I basically told him, um, and you know, HubSpot was a very the company started in two thousand six. This was like the beginning of 2008. So, you know, I hadn't ever heard of them really, aside from just networking with with Mike on Twitter and, and, you know, seeing him at tweet ups, but I basically said, no, thanks, but no thanks. Um, I'm going to go work in an agency.
1: What's this whole inbound marketing thing about? Yeah.
0: Like inbound marketing wasn't really a thing. Like I, I thought like, you know, I got into, I did get into PR because I knew I loved to write. I knew I was great at it. I loved it. Um, and I thought that PR was a kind of a great, um, avenue for me to, to do that. Um, so, so you know that i I started my my job. I kind of realized over time it wasn't for me. I had some life experience like life changes happening um and ultimately ended up leaving that job. um so then I kind of realized I needed you know I needed to find a job um and i I reached out to Volpe over Facebook again. I said, "Hey, remember me <laughs> um." I need a job. Uh, are you still looking for people on your team? And he was like, yeah, actually, we just decided to take PR in-house. Um, they had been using an agency up until that point, And we need someone to manage it. Why don't you come do that? So that's kind of how I got started at HubSpot. Um, I was working part-time. I was doing PR in the sense of, um, you know, I, I wrote for our company blog, so kind of like our news blog, which is where we would publish more, you know, like newsy, press releasey stuff, Um, and so I was managing that blog. I was also, I worked closely with our CEO, Brian Halligan and, um, other executives to get them speaking gigs at, um, you know, at conferences and events just to kind of, we were at the point where we just really needed to get HubSpot's name out, um, submitting our free grader tools. We had a bunch of grader tools at the time. Right now we have marketing grader, but that evolved from a bunch of, a whole slew of other tools, um, submitting those for awards so like that's the kind of thing I did and then over time I kind of realized the one thing I really like about my job is writing the company blog like I would also so I would write kind of like this these press release type articles but then I would also write about things like fun interesting things that we did around the company like we would do these HubSpot Iron Chef um, competitions where you know you we had this competition where you had to create um create um, original dishes just out of the stuff from from our kitchen. And I would write about that kind of stuff. And it was really fun and interesting. Um, So I kind of like gravitated just toward the blog side of things, which was really interesting to me because I never really, like blogs were so new at the time. And like I never really going to school thinking that writing was my thing, thought that I could ever really, like in my marketing was so new content, like for marketing was so new that It wasn't really a thing that I ever aspired to do. Um, And it was kind of neat that I just kind of fell into it. And I ultimately moved over to the the core blogging team, which the blogging team was, you know, like two people. Um, But full-time started working on just the blog. Um, And so I did the editorial side of things for a while, for a couple years. And, you know, kind of ultimately as we grew the team, um, evolved into this more analytical optimization role um, so now that's kind of my, my main focus is figuring out how we can grow and scale the blog um, and mainly figuring out, um, you know, how, how we can optimize what we already have to get there. So less on the content side of things and more on the optimizing the content side of things.
1: That's the, and that, and that's quite a path to, to it
0: is, I know. I was like, I'm still talking. This is taking forever. Hub,
1: HubSpot's not a bad fallback gig though, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, like
0: it, it was just, it was kind of cool because, you know, I think people now can go to school and say like, Oh, I want to like, there, there's so many opportunities now available for writers that we didn't really think were going to be the case, you know, years ago. Right. Um, yeah. you you kind of, if you're a writer, like you became a journalist. Um, and now people are using that, you know, that training or whatever to, to go write for companies. So it's interesting.
1: Yeah. It's like companies are hiring editors and editorial managers now Uh, rather than brand managers, which is, which is, which is great to see because it means they're embracing like, okay, we're content producers. We have to put out good content. Um, so you kind of touched on this a little bit. Um, It's easy to look at HubSpot now and be like, okay, two million monthly views. You know, they're all over the place. They're mentioned on Mashable. They're mentioned on, you know, wherever else, Um, you know, that they don't really apply to us. You know, they're you know, that sort of success is out of our reach. But what were those early days like blogging for HubSpot? Like you just alluded to two people on the team. Um, You know, some people were in and out. Kind of describe what those early days were like.
0: Sure. It was intense. (laughs) In the early, early days, we there were you know when I started at HubSpot, there were so like you said there were fifty people at the company. There were like five people on the marketing team. Now the marketing team has like I don't even know sixty plus. 80 maybe I'm not sure, wow. <laughs> ridiculous amounts of people, um, and you know so we were all wearing a ton of different hats. Like I said, like I was doing, um, you know, I was doing PR, but a lot of times I was also in the beginning I was doing like I create I, I managed the creation of our customer case studies for a while, um, which involved me learning how to do video production and like video editing. Um, I managed our social media for a while, so there was like you know with the five people on the team um, and like. That grew once I made it over to the blogging team, but still we had, you know, it was essentially me and Rick, um, Rick Burns. He kind of managed the blog in the very, very early days. Um, and then he kind of moved on to do other things and, and Kip came in. So it was me and Kip, Kip Bodner. And, um, and you know, it was intense. We were publishing about four to five blog posts a day. Um, wow. <laughs> and... And that was like I wasn't writing all the like Kip and I weren't writing all of those. We also created a very strong culture of content on the marketing team. So all of our early marketing hires were like we hired great writers. It was kind of a requirement to, to be on the marketing team. Because, like I said, everyone was wearing a ton of different hats. Like, you know, um, like I managed our email newsletter for a while. Like we all kind of shared the responsibilities, and every, you had to be a good writer for all of that. Um, so everyone on the marketing team contributed to the blog we also had contributors from other parts of the company and and things like that so not all the content was coming from the two blogging team members um, but we were kind of editing all of that content and it was really intense like four to five posts a day Um, that changed a little bit when we when Corey Aridan came on board, that was the end of 2012. There were, you know, because Kip had kind of t- took on more of a managerial type position. So a lot, so right before we hired her, it was it was really intense because it was kind of just me. Um and we didn't have three full-time bloggers on the team until we hired um Ginny Sosky, which was in 2013. Um so that was only like two years ago. It was barely two years ago, actually. Um, so yeah, I'm like we were pumping out tons of content. It was it was intense.
1: <laughs> but it was but it was a startup mentality. You guys yeah. were doing a lot, a lot, uh, very high volume with very little resources. So I think that's something that any startup, any agency that's on the smaller side can empathize with. It's like how do we create all this content? we don't even have enough people but you guys sort of proved that you know that that, that could be done yeah. um, do you remember this sort of take you back a little bit do you remember what your first blog post <laughs> was that you wrote for hubspot
0: so i remember they were kind of boring <laughs> um, so my first so if you if we're being really technical my first hubspot blog post was on like the company blog but i'm sure they were all very like you know um Or just like converting press releases like, oh, like Brian Halligan is going to speak at this conference or HubSpot won this award for website grader and and things like that. Um, I do remember, though, my first post on the marketing blog um, was it was about our Baby Got Leads rap music (laughs) video that...
1: (laughs) Baby Got Leads. Nice.
0: Um, yeah, you can search for it. It's on there. It's, it's, the, it's a shell of a blog post. It's essentially a, the blog post is the video and the lyrics and like the credits. Do you want to wrap um, it
1: for us right now? Or what'd you say? Do you want, do you want to wrap it for us? Oh, right now? I mean,
0: <laughs> Rebecca Corliss can.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: Um, but yeah, I mean, then after that, I mostly wrote in the beginning, the early days, this was before I was kind of on the blogging team. So kind of just contributing to the blog. Um, and, Frankly, learning how to be a business blogger um, were they were basically roundups. So they were um, you know po- curated posts of other content on the web that was doing well that week. So like I think I probably had an article in there from like Chris Brogan and like Rand Fishkin and like you know all the big names in the industry. Um, just some art, some cool articles that they wrote, and it was a roundup post. It was it was nothing. Nothing amazing, yes.
1: by but, any means. But and and I know this because we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago. That article scored you some Red Sox tickets, right?
0: It did actually, yeah. So um, you know, Mike Volpe had season tickets to the Red Sox, and every once in a while, like he can't attend the game because he's busy, and you know, he would do random things to give the tickets out to the people on the t- to people on the team. And and one day he said, um, you know, I have Red Sox tickets for the game tonight. Um, First person who responds and has written a blog post for the for the HubSpot blog will can get these tickets. And so I said, oh, me, 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 you know? And he was like, wait a minute, have you written a blog post? And I was like, yep, here it is. I had written it like earlier that week. So it was like perfect timing. Um, and I went to the game. He's got cool seats right by Pesky's Pole. So it was fun. <laughs>
1: awesome. And yeah, that, that was a long time ago. The landscape has changed a lot. Um, can you talk a little bit about... HubSpot's approach in in scaling the program, uh, in order to keep up with the growth. Aspirations of, of, of the overall company because HubSpot has never made uh, a secret that you know that they have huge, massive aspirations to be a software company, much in the same vein, um, you know, a Salesforce who does you know three billion, four billion in revenue every single year. So in order to keep up with that growth, the content sort of has to follow suit. So like, can you talk about the approach that the content team has taken over the years in trying yeah. to keep up with that growth? What worked? What didn't work?
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, things have definitely changed over the years. Um, Like I said, in those early days when it was essentially just me, um, we were publishing like four to five posts a day and they weren't – I mean – we It was an early time and it was really early in inbound marketing, so no one else was really writing about these kinds of topics that we write about. So we could kind of get away with posts that were not as, I don't know, they weren't as high quality as they as the stuff that we produce now is. And a lot of that wasn't because we were trying to get away with crappy content, but because... We were still trying to figure all this stuff out as well. Too sure, the yeah. stuff that we write about are the things that we, you know, that you know, the company is a marketing company. Um, so when we started, we were almost kind of ahead of the game because there wasn't, like, there wasn't all this content saturation that we have now, and um, you know, there weren't many people blogging about these topics. So we were able to kind of gain traction relatively quick quickly. Um, now it's a lot tougher, um, you know. Everyone is blogging. Everyone should be blogging. There's a lot more people producing content about these same topics that we're, that we're creating content about. Um, so we've had to, sh- you know, shift our strategy. We've always done well with, you know, the, I think we're known for that very like how to tactical marketing content. Um, and so, and we, and we definitely need to stick to that. That, that stuff is what um, has helped us grow because it, it gets a ton of search traffic and um, because it ranks well in search over time. Um, but we've also had to try to get more, a little bit more sophisticated, also as our reader has gotten more sophisticated, um, you know, writing very introductory how-to articles on topics that we've written so much over the years. Um, there are definitely still beginner marketers out there that need that stuff, but a lot of our readers have grown with us and are more sophisticated as well. So we've, you know, we've shifted our, our strategy a little bit. Um, we're now, you know, we're still producing that how-to stuff, but we're also peppering in some more like editorial style articles, um, you know, more featurey style articles that require more research. And, um, and also, you know, as we've grown, we've kind of had to think about widening the top of our funnel um, to reach to reach more potential visitors than, you know, than we've already gotten. Um, So some of the topics that we've explored are more like just general business type topics um, and, uh, you know, kind of like office life topics, things like that. Um, We've definitely had to change our strategy as we've grown just because we, you know, we do still have these ambitious goals that we need to hit and we need to kind of figure out how we can... um, how we can grow the blog with
1: that. It, it's funny too because because HubSpot has sort of like pioneered and advanced a movement, you know, in inbound marketing. It is it is true that your audience has sort of grown and learned with you guys. So, yeah. it is crazy even for listeners if they go back and and look at the HubSpot blog from 2010, it's completely different in in sort of how specific it is and how actionable and uh, it is and it's it's come such a long way as has your audience so that worked back then probably very well but um, you probably couldn't like you said get away with that level of content uh, the way your audience is now Um, and
0: things and the other thing about it is like some of the stuff like blogs like you know they're not novel anymore like um, and we've we've also kind of realized this with um, kind of our eBooks, and this isn't really on the blogging team anymore, but the content team. We also create a lot of eBooks and like long form content, um, you know, that we use to convert pe- to convert our visitors into leads. And for a while, we were, you know, we were like the only people putting out these free eBooks um, on on these topics. But then everyone started doing it, and it's like, well, we can't—we're not going to be able to grow and scale the way we've done so far by just doing the same thing over and over again. So we always have to kind of sit back and 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 evaluate what we're doing and and think of new ways, um, you know, to create something original or better than you know, or better than what's out there. I mean, I think a lot of other people do ebooks really well now, so. Like a HubSpot ebook isn't really that special anymore, you know. Um, so we've we've had to try to come up with other forms of content, to, um, or de- you know, try to zone in on a piece of content that maybe is pop, or a type of content that maybe is popular that people aren't necessarily doing really well yet, and figure out how we could do that really well. Um, so those are similar challenges.
1: Yeah, and, and another challenge is the HubSpot product itself. Has uh, grown significantly and evolved significantly since you started in 2008, uh, particularly after HubSpot's acquisition of Performable in 2010, mm-hmm. which greatly enhanced uh, the product. But once again, you know, I mean, there's been many of them. But another big one was this past uh, fall, uh, you know, rolled out at Inbound in 2014 with the HubSpot CRM and you know signals the year before. How do yep. you see changes like this affect and alter the content production?
0: Yeah. Um, so I remember, um, in the earlier days before we even had like email, um, software in our product, um, you know, we would be struggling to write about email topics because it almost felt hypocritical. Like, you know, that was always kind of a big, um, a big challenge for us. Like, how do we write about this? And, and, like, you know, tell our readers that they need to be doing email marketing. And these are like the best practices of email marketing when, like, they can't even do that with our software yet. Um, so, that, that type of thing, I mean, that's the product has come such a long way that, you know, we rarely have that kind of problem anymore in, in content production or content creation. Um, but that was definitely a problem at one time. Because um, we were like, well, we were aspiring to be this, you know, the best blog about marketing, which email is a part of, yet, like, how do we talk about it in a way that doesn't make us look like hip- hypocrites, you know?
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, so that was a big problem. Um, it's also just in terms of kind of the way we can analyze our content, things have gotten way better over the years just because we we eat our own dog food like we use hubspot's tools we use hubspot's analytics like i'm the one that's mostly focused on you know the blogs analytics and optimization and i use you know pretty much only hubspot's tools and over the years we've come out with much more sophisticated analytics tools that have enabled me to like to really analyze our blog much more deeply than we were ever able to before, um, and that's also opened up kind of a lot of doors for us because you know we're discovering things in our analytics that help us to form our content strategy, um, which has been insanely helpful, especially as we continue to grow and scale, um, you know, as ambitiously as we are.
1: Yeah, and you have, like you said before, a pretty sizable team now. So can you take yep. us inside? what a content meeting looks like at HubSpot. But not so much, like we already know you guys do a ton of things really well. Uh, What are the challenges that people are having and sort of bringing to the table? And how do you guys address that as a group?
0: Yeah, um, so I think we we actually only meet as a full content team. So this is the blogging and the offers team. And the offers team is, they create our ebooks, our long form content, um basically, mostly stuff that you find behind a form, um, but also now includes like we have this we have our a new podcast of our own. Um, so we all meet once a month for like a monthly content team meeting. Um, and that meeting is mainly we kind of review the results from last month. um. We review any special projects we worked on or are planning to work on. Um, we also, I think, the biggest value, um, and and you know, that's not to say that we only ever meet once a month. The blog, like the blogging team specifically, actually has like twice weekly stand up meetings, um, where you know, just the blogging team kind of meets in a very casual setting, just like around our desks, and we kind of talk about what each of us is working on, and we riff ideas off each other, and we. Um, it's a great way. It's a great time for me to be transparent with the rest of the team about like what you know, what kind of optimization projects I'm working on, things like that. So those happen on a much more frequent basis, but this monthly meeting. Um, We you know we use it to review, but we also use it as a good chance to brainstorm. Um, And so, whether that be like ideas for new blog posts, um, topics, but also kind of formats, like could we try some cool different blog post style that we haven't before? Um, Brainstorming ideas for guests that we could have on our growth show podcast. coming up with just brand new content, you know, formats, like, you know, like I said, ebook, ebooks were the the big thing in the early days, but like what new things can we try? Um, templates have been a big hit for us, but those are also there, you know, we've done those a lot too. So like, what other things can we try? We use these, these, um, meetings to brainstorm. One, one challenge I think that we have is what's funny is that, um, we're very, uh, we're kind of like a very logical bunch. We're a very practical bunch, um, which can be great. Like I think that definitely has its perks. But when you're in a brainstorming set- setting, it can kind of stifle your creativity a little bit. Um, sometimes we lose ourselves in the practicality of executing an idea. Um, like during the brainstorm process, which is really something that should happen after the brainstorm process, right? Like brainstorming, you're just supposed to like spitball these ideas, and um, that sometimes we get a little caught up in that. Uh, Joe Chernov um, usually has to steer us back on track, um, you know. And then, and then, like another big challenge, which is usually, you know, some of the things that we're talking about in these meetings, or some of, or the the brainstorms are a result of the fact that we um, we have these we've mentioned it before, we have these really, really lofty goals at HubSpot. Um, So yeah, like we've hit 2 million monthly visits, but... We're still trying like we're still trying to grow that, yeah, and it's um, funny,
1: yeah, I was just actually going to ask you that because you know I think we can all assume that working under the direction of you know people like Mike Volpe, the CMO, Joe Chernoff, you just alluded to the VP of content there, that the growth goals at HubSpot are aggressive, to say the least, so yeah. I w- and I think you alluded to this earlier too. the challenge is that the activities that have gotten HubSpot to this point have reached a saturation point or seen diminishing returns. So you know moving forward and you've kind of you know talked about this a little bit but you can't just rely on what you guys have previously done. So what's the plan to scale HubSpot upwards from here?
0: Right yeah I mean you can't you know like you're talking about the content saturation. um, We can't scale the output at like at the rate that we need to grow if that makes sense. So like We can't just publish like twice as many blog posts a day and expect to grow, um, you know, twice as much. Like, that's just not how it works. Um, And so, what we've been doing, and I think what my role specifically has been focused around, is trying to figure out how we can take the content, like the assets that we already have, um, and kind of make those incrementally better so that. We optimize every little thing, and at the end, that helps us to grow and scale. Like, we'll still obviously be creating new content, you know, that's what we do. But, uh, you know, taking a, taking the time to, to look back at what we've already done and, and figure out if we can get more out of what we already have. So that's kind of actually um, been a big turning point in my career, um, especially in this role. Um, about a year ago, I think it, well, it was like last summer, um, and this is, again, one of the other points I mentioned before, how HubSpot came out with a new tool and its software that has enabled us. Um, so back last summer, HubSpot came out with attribution reports and, and basically enabled us, and this was a big pet rock of mine for years, um, we weren't able to do this before, but it enabled us to pinpoint which specific blog posts are the ones that are directly contributing to lead generation for us. And leads are, you know, one of our main goals. Um, So it enables us to say like, which post is the one that a person then went to a landing page and converted into a lead. Um, And we never had that before. We could only kind of guess which posts were the ones that were generating leads because of we knew which posts were generating the traffic, but we never had that level of you know granularity before. So I did this like massive um, analysis of our blog and our blog's lead gen and um, I found that like 90% of the leads that we generated that month that I did the analysis had come from posts that were published prior to that month which was really um, (laughs) eye-opening. Yeah, and we basically said, like, new posts, like, sure, yes, they turn into old posts down the line, but new posts don't really do very much in terms of lead generation that given month. In the short Uh, term, yeah. Yeah, in the short term. Um, And the fact that we hadn't really even been paying attention to all the old stuff that's been sitting around that's basically been increasing in rank and give like that's where all of our search traffic was coming from um you know we realized we need to be spending more time figuring out how we can get more out of these old posts so like let's go back and figure out okay if if there's a bunch of posts that are generating a ton of leads for us in the past like can we get more traffic to them can we search engine optimize them to like improve their rank even more And um, can we get the posts that are already generating a ton of traffic that we know from search? Can we look at how well they're converting and figure out if we can get them, can we conversion rate optimize them and get them to convert better? Um, So that's been a huge, that whole project, you know, has been a huge part of my job of the past, you know, nine months. Um, and that's kind of how it's, it's helped us to figure out how we're scaling moving forward. Um, because it's not just relying on brand new content that we create, it's figuring out also, can we get more out of the content we already have? And I think a lot of people don't spend the time to kind of look back at that and, and figure out how they can do that.
1: I love everything you just said, specifically how it's focused on sort of the quality, but also... You know, what you said at the very beginning of that, uh, you know, thought was we can't just put out more content. Like, yeah. you know, Mashable or new- the New York Times or BuzzFeed or any big media company. The answer for them isn't, oh, we're just going to have to publish 300 articles today if we want to grow to where it's you got. It's, it's opening up new channels. And I think HubSpot has done that with the growth show and, and, and has aspirations to do that with other things as well. So you guys have sort of taken that approach as well. You've You've kind of increased quality by going back going Mm -hmm. backwards and optimizing things but you've also opened up new channels the growth shows like I don't know depending on what day it is it's either number two on iTunes number six (laughs) number one yeah so so you guys have opened up new channels and I would assume that that's that's a huge uh, contributor to your growth as well and and especially moving forward Um, so I'm going to ask you probably the hardest question thus far right now (laughs) So if you could only credit one thing, and I know there's been, there's been a ton of activities and a ton of people that have contributed to the HubSpot blog's success, but if you had to only credit one thing for, HubSpot, for the HubSpot blog's ascension to 2 million views, what would it be? like? What was the most important thing?
0: <laughs> um, that's really hard. You're right. Um, I think just really hard strategic work done by really talented people, um, hardworking people. Um, we had to figure out how to do this from scratch. Um, there, you know, like I said, like when we started our business blog, there weren't a lot of other, there weren't like, there wasn't like a playbook that we could follow back then. Um, we had to figure out how to do this. So, um, hard strategic work. Um, I think maybe this sounds like a cop-out answer, but, um, that's really what it boils down to. Um, we have some really great people on the team um, that you know we put we put we put a lot of focus into hiring. Um, we're very selective about who we hire and we really try to hire people that are gonna be a good fit here and can you know can ach- help us achieve these goals and are and ready, re- willing and ready and excited to do that so.
1: And I think you've done a a pretty good job of that. (laughs) That's (laughs) fine. So, you know, we've talked a lot about HubSpot, but I want to ask you just a few questions that are a little more personal to your process. Um, And I know, you know, your role now is very focused on optimization and growth, Um, you know, finding new opportunities to grow the HubSpot blog that don't just include creating more content, putting out more volume. But, you know, you're also... A writer, you know, you you started there, uh, blogging at a very high volume. So, can you describe just for other writers out there, what does your writing process look like?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so, I try. So, at this point in my career, I have the lu- like the luxury of being pretty selective about the topics that I write about because I'm not a full-time blogger anymore. Um, so I try to choose a topic that I'm passionate about in some way or another um, so that I'm not struggling through it from the get-go. Um, like I said, a lot of people don't really have the luxury of doing that, but um, that I do right now. Um, and a lot of it, a lot of the stuff that I write about now is based on this optimization work I've been doing lately. Um you know, if I discover something really awesome, then I want to share it with our readers so that they can kind of implement that same strategy or tactic themselves. So that's a lot of the writing that I do. Um, So the actual process, like, I create a working title, um, you know, because that just will help me focus. Um, It doesn't, it's not going to be the title, the final title. Um, It's going to be something really, really focused and, um, you know, structured. And then I, I outline the article. So I figure out what my main points are going to be. If it's like a list post, list post, I figure out like which items are in the list and I write them all out. Um, I kind of do like the skeleton of the post. Um, I pick the CTA <laughs> um, at the very beginning. Um, and then I, I write the intro. And then I fill in the outline with my content. Um, but I'm also very much like a... I polish as I go rather than create like a really, really rough draft and then go back and polish it at the end. And that's a blessing
1: I, and a curse, Pam, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> I'm the same <laughs> way, but it just makes writing so much longer.
0: It does. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Um, but I, that's just how I work and not everyone works that way. So this is definitely not like, I mean, I feel like so so many writers work in so many different ways. Like, um, you know, Corey Aridon on the team. I don't know if she does this anymore, but she used to write the body first. Um, and, but she wanted to see, she wanted to have the intro kind of there. So she used to write like intro copy, intro copy, intro copy. <laughs> so that the <laughs> intro was like just intro copy. Um, very and visual then go back, writer. Yeah. And then go back and finish it at the end. And I know there are other writers who just like to bang out a rough, rough draft and then go back in and, and tweak it. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting
1: how you sort of yeah. like to reverse engineer. So you start, you already have your title, you have the CTA that's going to align with the post, you have your intro, and then you dive in where there's some people like Corey work backwards. So she yeah. needs her body copy before she can write an intro, yeah. before she can write a title, which it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting bunch of writers. And, and I think <laughs> that, that's the beauty of asking a question like this is it's, it allows us to see, wow, there are many different ways to do this. And yes. none of them are right. So, right. um, so, but what, as far as like, do you, do you need quiet? Are you one of those people that's like, uh, can you stop breathing or do you, <laughs> do you need your headphones on? Like, you know, yeah. in that space, like how, how do you work?
0: So I was, I used to be such a more efficient writer when I was doing it all the time. It's, it's actually, it's really funny. I was talking to Corey about this recently. Um, you know, we were both, you know, in the early days, Writing a whole bunch of content, so we were really, really fast writers, and we were really, really efficient. When you stop doing it as frequently, when you're not writing a blog post every single day, it's amazing how quickly you get out of practice. Um, it's it's really hard for me to go and sit down and write a blog post from start to finish. I get like so distracted now. Um, I you know I think. Maybe back then when I was doing so much writing, I would – I did write with headphones in. Some people can't have that noise, but, like, I do kind of like that background noise, maybe just because I'm used to it. Um, But um, I think I would just, like, close down my email because if I now – if I see, like, a new email, if I see, like, a pop-up of any sort, like, I just lose it. And then I, like, go in and I forget that I was – you know, I have like five more tabs open and I forget that I was actually in that tab writing a blog post. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's kind of crazy how quickly you kind of lose.
1: To, to tell me you've done this though you have the <laughs> headphones on but there's no music playing it's sort oh of my like gosh. this clever ruse that you kind uh. of cook up to be like nobody will talk to me because they mm-hmm. think I have music on and I'm super focused
0: oh definitely in the office for sure although there are definitely sometimes where I put my headphones in because it's just such a routine and then I forget to turn music on and it's not even because I'm using it as a, like a, a tactic to keep people away it's just uh oh I forgot to turn my music on <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, so I have another interesting question for you here what What are you bad at and how and how do you overcome that?
0: Um so this kind of piggy piggybacks off of the um you know the brainstorming thing that I was talking about earlier. I'm actually like it's kind of funny that you asked me to be on the show that's like about creatives. I kind of suck at being creative <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think like I tend to, when I write, I tend to write much better like tactical like it's probably why i was so good at the how-to content that we've got so well known for um But I'm much more of like a procedural tactical writer than a creative writer. Like I remember taking a course in college, like a creative writing course, and being so excited about it. Like, oh, I love writing. Like this is going to be so much fun. And I remember like just sucking at it and like writing these awful poems about like terrible, stupid things and being really kind of like let down in myself. Like I was like, how am I such a good writer in other ways, but not this way at all? Um, and I think like the way that I overcome it is I mean, I, I kind of leave that creative writing to like some of the other bloggers on our team who are really good at it and love to do it, but hate the tactical writing. Like it's kind of, it actually kind of works out. Like, oh, I'll take on that really like, you know, um, you know, logical, but kind of most people would think boring blog post, how to do this. And you go and like interview that really cool person and write this really cool piece of, you know, this like feature on them or something. Um, And yeah, I mean, then like that translates in those brainstorm meetings. I'm like, I'm worthless. It's, it's, it's terrible. Like I, I, if I need to, if I'm, If I'm brainstorming, it can't be in that setting where it's, you know, everyone's just bouncing ideas off of it. I can kind of, I can work with other people's ideas, but I have never been good at coming up with like a new creative idea from scratch. Like I'll, when I'm brainstorming, I have to like look at what other people have done and then kind of figure out a new idea or a spin on that or like use that to inspire me some way. Um, But you know, the original brainstorming creativity side of it has always been, you know,
1: tough for me. Pam, Pam sits that one out. <laughs> I, th- I think you've done very, very well for yourself, though, considering <laughs> it's certainly not a handicap. Like you said, everybody has their strength. And um, I think the, the, you know, the benefit of having a big team like you guys have is you can all sort of work to, you know, supplement each other's strengths, which is, which is yeah. great. Um, so a lot of writers have trouble with this. So I, I wanted to ask you this. This might not apply to you, but I'm curious to see like what your thoughts are on this. Uh, you know, many writers and creatives in general, artists, graphic designers, they have sort of like a trouble navigating that pull to create something that they love and that they enjoy and that they could really get behind, but also putting together something that meets the business objectives. That yeah. that's, that always seems to be tough terrain for for many writers and uh, creatives in general. Do you have you ever had to work to overcome that, or seen anybody who has?
0: Totally. I actually, I blogged about this once, um, essentially like why it's so hard to write for a company publication to like be a writer who's writing for a business. Um, you know, like I said before, it's it's kind of great now that there's all these job opportunities for writers because so many businesses are looking for writers now that content is such a big part of the game for marketing. But on the flip side of it is you are writing for a company. Um, it's not as creative as some of these writers probably want it to be. Um I think first you just kind of have to realize or recognize like the harsh reality of it like yes you're gonna like you're writing for a business there's going to be business objectives there's going to be things that you won't be able to write about or like you'll have to write about but like kind of censor yourself um and it's it stinks but I think um there there's a balance that you can achieve um you know, like I said, like I have the luxury to write more about the stuff that I'm passionate about. But back in the day, I had to just, you know, we had to write, I had to write posts about stuff that I didn't even really know very well about. I had to do the research and figure it out. Um, But that would also afford me the opportunity to write a post or create something that I was really passionate about. So I think you just have to find, um, you have to find a role where you can, you know, realize that you'll do some of that, you know, business writing that you don't really want to do um, but that also affords you the opportunity to, to write to do this, to write the stuff you're passionate about. Um,
1: yeah yeah. That's, that, that's great advice and, and we're going to end with, with advice from you. So you know you've written tons of blog posts, you've read and edited and optimized tons of blog posts. so you'd likely get asked a lot about it. you even speak about this at inbound. So what is your best advice to marketers struggling to gain traction from their content?
0: I, my biggest piece of advice is to be patient. Um, I actually, um, I was really curious and I went back and looked at our analytics to see how many visits our blog got um, back when I started it in September 2008. So like you mentioned earlier, we have now 2 million monthly visits. Back in 2008 when I started, we got 50,000 monthly visits. Wow! So that's like what we get like that's less than what we get in a day now but that was in 2008 and it's now 2015 like it's taken us years to scale that like i think a lot of people think that you know they're going to start writing like publishing blog posts today and then in a month they're going to get all these all these all these visits and that's not going to happen like people need people need to understand that they they need to be patient it's going to take some time it's going to like i said one of our the reasons we got to that point was really hard work, um, really strategic thinking, um, dedicated people. So that's, I think the biggest piece of advice I could give is be patient, um, keep at it, um, and, uh, be strategic.
1: Pam, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. You've set the bar super high for, (laughs) for every episode and every guest moving forward
0: thanks. I, it was this was a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited to to listen to more episodes from you.
1: Absolutely. And, and that's Pam Vaughn. You can find her on Twitter. Um, is it, I don't want to say it wrong. What's your, what's your Twitter <laughs> handle, Pam?
0: It's Pam lump. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's a nickname that I have when I was a baby. Um, and it just kind of stuck and became my Twitter handle, you know, you're always college.
1: paying homage to the past Pam in your job <laughs> right now. And even in your Twitter handle and your <laughs> online persona. Um, so look up Pam on Twitter, connect with her at Pam check her out on the HubSpot blog. Um, Pam, Thank you again for for being a part of it. Um, That's Pamela Vaughn. My name's John Benini. This has been Louder Than Words. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, review, say nice things or not nice things, whichever. Um, But thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.